what were some of the comments that you got like after you, you had these two very popular episodes? You know, my wife, like whenever I share this, right, she's like, hey, why you tell everyone how much you earn? <laughs> 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 Calvin, welcome to our studio. Thanks for the invite. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming to our So Far So Good. Yeah. Uh, heard a lot about you. Watched a couple of your videos as well. I've also been a huge fan of you guys since <laughs> like four or five years ago. Wow. Great. Great. Uh, today we're going to talk about investing. And also uh, talk a little bit about your, your journey in uh, content creation in the investing space, in the finance space. Maybe a quick introduction to, to our audience on your content on YouTube. My name is Kelvin. I run a YouTube channel called Kelvin Learns Investing, where I talk about everything re- related to money la, because I like money. <laughs> stuff like credit cards, savings, uh, investment. Basically, anything that can make you money, I will try to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Right. What is the hottest topic now? Uh, in now we're in December 2022. By the time this will be it will be Q12023. Hottest topic now for finance. The hottest topic now is uh, the Fed raising uh, the interest rate to I think four point something percent. Mm. Right, me, I'm, if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just saw your latest episode on the Fed pivot. I also follow CNBC and, and Bloomberg quite a fair bit. Some people are saying that you know every time where Fed pivot occurs, there will be like uh, a possible risk of recession. And then before the upturn uh, comes, provided whether there will be QE or, or, or things like that. What, what, what are your personal opinions on that? Yeah, I saw that chart too. It was quite controversial. By pivoting means that they start cutting rates, right? So by right, when they cut rates, the market should go back up. Right. But instead, actually, the, there's a recession going on. You have to think, why is the Fed pivoting? The whole reason the Fed is raising interest rates is to fight inflation. Right. So the whole reason they are pivoting means that the inflation is now going down and they have done their job of uh, fighting this whole inflation. Uh. So when inflation is going down, that means the whole economy isn't doing that well. And when the economy is going down, that means there's a recession. In short, <laughs> the Fed has achieved their goal right. and of crashing the market. In this upcoming Fed period, I do believe a recession is co- will be coming soon. La. That's mm. my prediction. But I don't think it will be as bad as all the other previous recessions, like 1980s recession, when right. the inflation hit like 15% high. Now it's just like, what, 7%. Right. Uh, that then, unemployment rate was like double digits. Now it's just like 3 4%. So it's nowhere near that kind of magnitude. Even if a recession did come, right, um, I don't think the crash will be as hard. I don't think things will be as bad as it seems. La. Right. And, and uh, towards the end of that episode, uh, I saw that you're an advocate of dollar cost averaging. Yes. Uh, staying in the market, not to time the market. It's quite similar to what we also advocate to our clients uh, for real estate because real estate is, is more illiquid. Yes. Based on statistics, uh, people own properties between the range of five to eight years. Even if, let's say, there will be to be any recession going on, usually people do not fire sale their own sale, own stay property. I mean, everybody has their own property to live in, Correct. their kids are studying nearby. It's very hard to see like a fire sale situation unless we're talking about secondary or, or third mm. uh, kind of property investment. Based on your dollar cost averaging approach and of course, I believe you have other methodologies. Where do you learn all your investment kind of knowledge from? And, and okay, share with our audience, how old are you this year? I'm 35. 35, okay. <laughs> so at which age do you start learning about investing? So I started back in 2016 and I thought that uh, like everyone else like that. That everyone is a genius in trading. Turns out I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a genius. I lost money. 2016 was six years back. So that time you were 29. Yeah, around there, around there. Okay. And uh, what were you working as when you started uh, learning about investing? I was working as a programmer. Okay. So I've saved up about seven, eight years of money. I was thinking, what can I do with it? Maybe I can get rich with it. 
Right. So I start dump, dumping money into the market, trying to trade it. I think the market just humbled me. Like, it just, I said, you are not a good trader. <laughs> so okay. it just made me lose money and I sort of we stopped uh, investing back then. Like. I started really investing only about two years ago mm. uh, when the market was going up. Right? So I thought that this was, this was a good chance. And also at the same time, I was starting this whole YouTube thing. So that's when I start really investing and show that like, okay, investing has a real way of investing and a wrong way. Share with us your uh, 29-year-old to 30-year-old experience where that was the first time you, you, you tried investing. What do you first invest, invest in? I mean, back then <laughs> with, with uh, uh, initial kind of knowledge and then, then what, what lesson do you draw from that? So like back then, I was looking at the top volumes, top gainers for that day. Then I see, hey, if this can go 10, 20% up, this must be a good stock. Right. <laughs> Turns out it was not a good stock. Right. <laughs> so um, then I later realized that all these stocks that can come up so high is because somebody is trying to manipulate it. Uh. A stock going up 10, 20% doesn't mean that it's a good stock. But rather, like if a stock can continue this uptrend for a very long time, then it will be a good stock. Like for example, Microsoft, uh, Apple, um, Amazon, those kind of stocks. La. Fast forward to 2020, I only realized this. <laughs> okay. I, so now I will just look for companies that are really earning money. Not just earning money, but more like growing their earnings, have a moat in the market so that no competitors can overtake it. Those kind of basic stuff. La. So right. as long as I stick to this, then this will be a good strategy. La. Right. So do you advocate yourself to uh, uh, as a value investor like Warren Buffett uh, methodology? Mm. Because I heard the word you use moat. For Warren Buffett, for him to buy a stock, he has to buy a stock that's at the correct valuation. Mm. So, but yeah. for me, I'm, I'm more like a growth investor. So I buy stocks that have a high growth potential. Mm. Like the stocks that I mentioned just now, Apple, uh, Microsoft, Google, all the tech stocks, la, including Tesla. My fans will know that I like to invest in Tesla. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's because they have this very huge mode that's not possible to be overtaken so easily. For example, for Amazon, it has a huge e-commerce um, business in the US. Mm. That's like what, 90%? I don't know, somewhere there. La. There's the whole cloud competing that is, that, that is winning the game. La. Unless someone overtakes it, there's no way that they can... Uh, lose money. Right. Just keep investing in the winners, basically. Right, right. So yours is more of the growth investing methodology Correct. plus dollar cost averaging. So I take some of the lessons from Warren Buffett. Like, he has to have a good mode. He must be earning money. He must have uh, low debt, but not necessarily a cheap stock because it's very hard to find cheap stocks in growth stocks mm. unless there's a market crash like right now. Right. <laughs> what are uh, basically some of the investment angles for 2023 based on your, your own opinion that you think a recession might be coming in the US? During recessions, the market will typically bottom within four, five to six months. La. Historically speaking, I'm not saying that it will happen now. Okay. <laughs> that just means that you can't wait for the recession to end to only go in because by then it will be too late already. So I would just say dollar cost average or if you think you can time the market, you can try. But I think even if you try and succeed this one time, it doesn't mean that you will succeed every single time. I would suggest just keep dollar cost average because that's the easiest way to keep yourself emotionally stable. La. This whole year, the market was crashing. Yeah. All my viewers were telling me, hey, how are, how are? <laughs> right. then, then my response is always, as long as you are investing in a good stock, all these bad things are over, then, then there's nothing stopping the company from growing already. So my advice would be just, Keep dollar cost average. Just invest in good stocks, and like over the long term, you'll be fine already. How about uh cryptocurrency? Do you <laughs> do you invest in cryptocurrency? <clears throat> Many 
degenerates out there. <laughs> I, I, I did invest in crypto, but I, I limit my exposure to like 5%. Mm. Uh, then during the run up, it went up to like 10, 15%. And it crashed back down to like 2, 3% now. <laughs> uh, right. So after this whole crash, right, I realized that and people invest in crypto, right, they are only thinking about the gains. Like, okay, Bitcoin, can it go up 500%, 1,000% by like what, five years? What they don't think about is... Um, Crypto, how low can it crash? Traditionally, crypto has crashed like ninety percent every like what uh, every few years, lah. So that's the two blue chips in the crypto space: the mm. Bitcoin and the Ethereum. If you are new to crypto and you want to try playing with crypto, right? I would suggest just go with these two. When people think about crypto, they also they only think about that making money part. They don't think about the functionality of crypto. Mm. So when you think about <laughs> Bitcoin and Ethereum, both of them have the, have the most proven track record for functionality. Yeah, while the rest feels like, like a, trying to clone, try, you, you see all of them trying to claim itself as the Bitcoin killer, the Ethereum killer, all of them are just clones in some way or another. Mm. So why not just invest in the original stuff There's more proven track record, There's more investor investing in it and just see where it goes from here or not. Mm. It may go to zero, <laughs> for all we know. But if it goes to zero, um, I think the crypto space is, is like... They're almost dead already. Yeah. Right, right. Which I believe it won't happen. Mm. So, yeah, see where it goes. Right. So, you allocate about 5% to crypto mm. uh, investing. And uh, yesterday, before, before, before you came, I was, I was just looking at uh, one of my most popular videos, which is, uh, I think you did it in 2020 or 2019 about your portfolio. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, maybe share, share with our audience, like, uh, how do you uh, manage your portfolio in terms of percentages? Example, uh, stocks. Roughly how many percent of portfolio cryptocurrency you mentioned five and any other things do you invest in? Okay, so I let me just give a quick history of my portfolio. Mm. In twenty twenty, okay, I started with dividend stocks. So I believe like okay, uh, you invest in this stock, it pays you a dividend, and right. uh, everyone is happy lah. Five to seven percent, right? Then turns out I'm not happy with the returns. <laughs> <laughs> I saw index investing, index funds, ETFs can right. give a higher return than than just that 4 or 5%. So I jumped from dividend investing into index investing. Then in 2020, um, I jumped into this hot stock, Tesla. <laughs> so um, I think like many investors in Singapore, they, are, they believe that this Tesla will bring them what, to the moon or whatever. So I was one of them. <laughs> so I started uh, keep dollar cost and average into this just one stock, Tesla. Mm. Um, all the way until this year. After talking to many other uh, bloggers in the financial space, la, I realized that actually uh, concentrating on just one stock is not that safe. Mm. Now I've started to diversify into other tech stocks. My goal is to diversify like 20%, one-fifth into like Tesla, one-fifth into Google, one-fifth into Microsoft, these kind of stocks. Right. Just lower the risk. La. Don't be so like Kanchong Spider, right, reach right. 1,000% or whatever. Every year, I'm trying to keep improving on these uh, investment strategies. La. So... Moving forward, maybe I will try to add in, make it less risky or whatever. Mm. But I don't know how it will be because I'm, I'm still learning. <laughs> right. So let's see where it goes. Lor. Is that why you call your channel Calvin Learns Investing? Is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like you're on a learning journey with your audience. So right at the start, the stuff that I know back then was like maybe 1% to 2%. Now it's like maybe what, 6 7%. A bit more. A bit more. <laughs> okay. So there's still more to learn. Lah. That's why this channel will keep going on. Quick tip for... Our audience is that if let's say you are a young, young adult mm. and then you just started working, you start to have some savings every month from your uh, full-time work, how do you 
quickly learn about investing? Like, what, what books do you read or who do you follow? To be honest, uh, I don't read books. Okay. <laughs> like, people recommend The Intelligent Investor. So I tried reading chapter one. I found that it was too dry. Then I'm like, okay, uh, stop. <laughs> then I started reading blogs. Uh, those were good. For example, Dollars and Cents, Sidley. You'll find that they uh, recommend very safe investments. So it's good if you want to not lose too much money. <laughs> um, so then if you want more riskier stuff, you have to look towards YouTube where people are trying, people, where people can say whatever they want. So I've learned from different places, lot, the risky ones, the safe ones. Um, so if you are new to the whole investing game, right? I think my advice would be first, um, it depends how comfortable are you with losing money. I think it's unavoidable in the short term, but over the long term, you should be earning money. Your goal is always to be earning money over the long term. There are two ways. If you think you're like a god of investing or whatever, it's okay to try uh, dabbling in very risky stuff uh, and lose money. When you are overconfident that you are very good in investing, right, you will start making very risky stuff. You will almost certainly lose money in some way or another. So that will wake you up. You will start going safer ways. That's what I did back in 2016. Right. I thought I was good until the market humbled me. But if you don't want to do that, just go for the safe stuff. Start with the safe stuff, like the S&P 500, uh, the, the QQQ, the STI ETF, mm. all this kind of safe stuff. Maybe once you have a base already, then you can start looking at small amounts of risky stuff to try and satisfy your inner urges. Right, <laughs> right, right. So there, there are two different ways. Though. You, first, you can try trading or whatever, try to humble yourself first. Uh, remind yourself that you are not God of investing. Okay. Or if you want to take the safe route, start building out a base first, right. then you can uh, start going for risky stuff, but in small amounts. Mm. So there are different ways. Right, right. Yeah. So you mentioned that 29 years old was the year you started investing with all your savings for the past seven years. So you, I presume you started working at 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that time you were a programmer. Mm. What were you programming? I was working as a game programmer. And now, uh, are you still a programmer or you are a full-time <laughs> YouTube creator? Yeah, full-time. I have no more time to program. Okay, so, so you, yeah. you create content full-time Correct. and then you invest full-time. I wouldn't say I invest full-time. Like People say they are full-time investor means that they are not working or whatever. Right. Okay, I invest on the side, but my full time job is YouTube. Right. <laughs> okay. Share your advice to young adults. I mean, like, you know, there's been a lot of uh, topics uh, revolving about cost of living in Singapore that is very difficult to save money as a young adult. I mean, like, uh, now you're 35, I'm 41. Then, uh, if we were to imagine ourselves to be like a fresh grad now mm. and uh, with the cost of living in Singapore, what is your advice for young adults nowadays if they're just starting out? Um, how do they uh, create that uh, savings per month in order to, to invest uh, in liquid assets first, like the equity stock market? So how do a young adult get started? I would say, uh, okay, there, there are two roads again. Mm. So the first road, right, I've seen people who, um, once they graduate, they start traveling around the world. The more like exploring the inner self. La. Then they start working maybe two, three years later. Right. Then the other side is like people tell you that you can start saving and investing as early as you can because there's the what compounding uh, magic. Right. I would say if you are young, the amount that you can earn and save right, is actually not that much. If your goal is not to like retire by what, 30 years old, you can try <laughs> exploring your life a bit. La. Because right. once you reach like 35, like right now, if you have a family, you are sort of anchored down. You can't really travel already. That two $3,000 may not worth as much as back then when you are still single. Uh, that two $3,000 will actually give you a lot more life experience, uh, life, life points that you can learn from. 
So th there are two different ways. Like, if you want to YOLO, you can YOLO first. <laughs> if you want to retire early, you can consider like try to save as much as you can. Right. So, um, the, so the first advice is to like, think of what your, what's your goal when you are 30 years old, 40 years old. Depending on what's your goal, you will have sort of a compass already mm. uh, on what to do. For example, back then, when I first graduated, I totally had no idea what to do with the money other than just put it in the bank. Where do you get your savings from when you first graduate? My job. <laughs> you, so you were working when you were studying? Okay, so I, my parents gave me money la, for the first few months till mm. I found a job. Then everything is my own already. All the savings were my own money. A lot of people don't, don't have any, like, any idea what to do with that money at all other than just to save and spend and right. retire. Right. So that's, that's, that's their like, like, um, life goal. La, try to survive until 65 or so, until the CPF payouts and you are done with life. Right. <laughs> But uh, recently, maybe four or five years ago, I started to realize, okay, there's actually more to life than just this whole journey from 20 to 60 years old working. And there's the what whole financial independence, retire early movement, la, where you try to save and invest as much as you can. So once you have this goal, right, you tell yourself that, okay, by saving $5 on this Starbucks coffee, uh, maybe I will retire one, one minute earlier by saving on this $20 grab, right? I will retire earlier by maybe one hour. <laughs> that, that, it, it's that kind of mindset. La. So once you have a goal, it makes justifying saving money a lot more easier. Right. But without this goal, right, you're like, oh, why am I saving this for? I might, I'm, I might as well spend it, right? Maybe I'm going to die next, next day. Right? So right. just try to live my life happily. La. So in conclusion, try to have a goal. Then you will have a compass to know what to do with your money. So, so what, what is your goal? <laughs> so my goal is to retire by 40 years old mm. with a million dollars in the portfolio. Right. And with this one million dollars, it's able to give me a decent income every month. About a thousand dollars, I think. Based on dividends? Uh, based on dividends or selling the portfolio. Because by right, people have done this research before. Like if the portfolio is able to grow at the same rate as the market, like maybe 10%, historically mm. la, speaking. If you only withdraw 4% from this portfolio, so 10 minus 4, right. even if you withdraw, the portfolio is still growing at 6% uh, growth rate. So technically, right. the portfolio will never run out of money. That's what I'm trying to aim for right now. Mm. To have this mm. big enough portfolio so that I can keep withdrawing so that even though if my YouTube stops working one day, I can still live on this portfolio. Right. So, uh, okay, this 4% thing I heard of before, there's a slogan to it. What is that called? The 4% rule, or rather known as the Trinity study. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. yeah. So it's a 10% growth, then you extract 4% out every, yeah. every year. Yeah. Right. So they test it over different market conditions, like during recessions. They test it over different periods, maybe 70, 80 years. Mm. Over different, like the war, World War II, the Vietnam War, the Cuban Missile Crisis, all the different crises that's going on. And still yet the market was able to give 10% return over the long term. And the guy who is doing this pet testing found that the portfolio never goes to zero. But it has to be a million dollars. Uh, okay, so this million dollars... It's based on your own needs. It's based on my own needs. Let's say if you can only so, can just survive based on just a thousand dollars expense every year, every month, every, every month. month, every month. Okay. Uh, then you just use some formula to come up with this amount. No? If you want to have a bigger safety, then you just have a bigger portfolio. No? Okay. Yeah. So for for me, I try to keep my expenses very lean. Right. Like live in HDB, no cars, whatever. So this $1 million portfolio is able to let me survive for like 40 years without mm. running out of money. Lah. So are you, are you after um, freedom? Yeah. 
So, so freedom. So like people chase money, I chase freedom. Mm. So with freedom means that I don't have to keep working on YouTube. When I work for YouTube, I won't lie that I do it for money. Mm. Like, okay, people, even though it's my passion, right? I have to, I have to do it <laughs> because I'm chasing this goal. So once I have this goal, I no longer am bounded to earning money. Mm. So that makes me free. La. I can just say, oh, I can say bye-bye. That's that kind of thinking. Right. So even for normal people, uh, that's what I tell them. If you don't like your job, you do something about your life. Law. Try to save this a million dollars portfolio so that you can like, quit your job and travel the world, live the world the way that you want to. Law. When do you start to cast this goal? Uh, was it just two years back? Did you want to have a million dollar portfolio? I think it was around three, four years back. Three, four years yeah. ago. Yeah, okay. yeah. That was when I started law. And now I'm about one third and I have five more years left to go. Right, so right. hopefully I will reach there. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. right. Great. Okay. Um, I, I want to ask about... Um, uh, so we talk about like uh, a little bit about the young adults and, and the cost of living and, and stuff like that. So like in your perspective, where do you think Singapore is going? Like, like in, in terms of... Um, cost of living, inflation, and then not a lot of young adults are talking about, you know when am I going to get my first property and things <laughs> like that. Where do you think we are going in the next five to 10 years? And then how do young people navigate this? I wouldn't say it's traditional. Like, I would say that, you know, because of our policies and things like that, the route is get married so you can get a BTO fast. And if you don't get married, you can only until 35 so to own your first resale HDB flat. Sometimes young people see that this is like a rat race. What, what are your advice for young people? So when I look at this whole property market, previously, in the past few years, the property price have actually caught up to the whole trend. So mm. previously, it wasn't trending up that fast. Mm. So basically, it's a mean reversion. La. It's just trending up as per normal, as per supply and demand. Right. So previously, the demand wasn't as high. La. After this whole COVID thing, then the demand suddenly boom. That's why right. everyone is complaining that the property price are, are going up. Very high. And mm. this trend will just continue. So basically, the income over the housing price. Right. When, I, when I compare it to overseas countries like Japan, uh, Australia or whatever, Singapore is actually in line uh, with them. With the global standard. Yes, if you can say that it's expensive, other big cities have the exact same ratio. Mm. So it's not that Singapore is super expensive. When you want to talk about expensive, you can look at Hong Kong and Shanghai. That's where things are really expensive. It haven't really factored in all the government grants and stuff, right? When you throw all those in, you'll see that things are actually much cheaper than we think. Maybe people have 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 it maybe too easy <laughs> so that people so that when people see the current situation they say hey, how come things are getting more expensive now mm. things are getting expensive now because the situation has finally caught up to them la. right that's what I think so back to the thing that I said earlier if you're not happy with your life either you have to set your expectations correctly or you just try to find a better paying job wrong. it's either one of that la. right 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 or you can leave Singapore <laughs> and go to a cheaper place, right? I think it's called Joe Trust. Maybe people have done it before. Move to Bali, move to Malaysia, move to Thailand to use the Singapore dollar to earn, to have a better life. Right. Yeah. Right. And um, how about yourself? Like, do, do you personally believe in real estate investments? <laughs> <laughs> Just like you mentioned, you mentioned um, um, uh, for your perspective because your goal is in five years' time, here a million dollars portfolio, and then you try to live as low expense as possible. But how about yourself? Like, um, will you uh, ever go into real estate investing? Not that I want you to buy a property <laughs> to us, <laughs> but just just your, your thoughts. So about two years ago, I compared the returns based on money use that I will get based on HDB, condo, and commercial. Mm. And my conclusion was that commercial has the highest use. Uh, out of the tree. La. So I can buy it, rent it out and it's easier to rent it out 
compared to all the other two mm. because the, there's less cost involved. But the thing too is that if you want to buy a commercial property, you will have to have a big amount of capital lying on the side, which I think most people won't have access to unless they are doing some high paying job or whatever. So for now, I wouldn't consider property. But until I reach my $1 million goal, I will only start to look into property as a form of diversifying. But right now, with property heating up, <laughs> I'm having second thoughts. Okay, yeah. so you focus on your equity portfolio? Yeah, for now, for now. Right, right. Okay, great. That very popular episode that you had, right? Revealing my 300k portfolio, how to earn $6,000 a month <laughs> with options. Have you ever like uh, regretted sharing like your portfolio? And then what were some of the comments that you got like after you, you had these two very popular episodes? You know, my wife, like whenever I share this, right? She's like, hey, why you tell everyone how much you earn? <laughs> <laughs> so so no, like, then, then on the streets, like, do you, do you have people come up to you and then like, like to ask you about these things? Uh, they ask me about no, 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 they, they don't. Like, they don't. Okay, okay, <laughs> they just say, okay. hi, hi, Karen. I, we just want to take a photo with you. This, that kind of, they wouldn't okay. ask me about that. Online people will, will ask me about that. Okay. How, how's your portfolio doing now? Now that your, your Tesla has dropped by 50%. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think the whole reason I'm trying to share is that first is to be transparent. Like, like since I say that this is a school stock, that's why I'm investing in it. Since I say that dollar cost averaging is a good strategy, that's why I'm doing it. Then the other reason is that I want people to critique how my portfolio is. If this portfolio is bad, with online being anonymous, everyone being anonymous, right, they will start to like, okay, this portfolio sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Some will say that. Like, so if too many people say that, that means something is wrong with this portfolio or whatever, or this uh, option strategy thing that I'm doing. Mm. So then it's up to me to see, eh, actually, is what they say, uh, is it true? Or is it, is, are they just trolling around? Mm. So that's the whole reason I'm trying to change my portfolio strategy now because I realized that, eh, my current portfolio is a bit too risky for my own self. Mm. And that's because too many people say the same thing. Okay. So, yeah. so you, you, you also take the comments as a learning Correct. Uh, right. kind of like a benchmark. Yes. Okay. Yeah, right. So I, I see it as a feedback. So I, I do something, I post it out, uh, see what people say. <laughs> if they say that sucks, then maybe something is wrong with it. Then mm. I will try to think how can I improve, improve it further. Okay. Yeah. I also read your one of your interviews with like uh, I think it was on dollar and cents or something, okay. and then you, you talk a little bit about uh, after you quit your job as a programmer, then you focus on YouTube, and then you also adopted the option strategy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about what what is this option strategy about? So basically, uh, a very simple explanation, like analogy, like, mm. Okay. A stock is a house. You think of a stock as a house, a million dollars house. You think of an option as a deposit, a 5k deposit to buy this house. This 5k deposit will expire in one month. If you want to use this op- option to buy this house, then you can just exercise this option to buy this house. Uh. Otherwise, this option will expire worthless. You just throw away that 5k. Right. So this is you buying this 5k deposit. Right. So I'm on the other side. I'm on the side that's selling this 5k deposit. Mm. So um, I would say that Oh, you want to buy my stock, my 100 Tesla stock, if you want, I will sell you this uh, option at $1,000. If Tesla, the stock price goes up, then I will have to sell my stock to him. Mm. So if it doesn't, then I will get to keep his deposit money. Right. So that's, my, that's the strategy that I'm doing. I'm trying to bet that. You're on the put option. Uh, I'm betting both sides, call and put. Either way, I'm, I'm just selling a, depo- selling a de- deposit, selling deposit to people. Right. People pay me. They are, so basically, they are betting that the stock will go up. I'm betting that the stock won't go up to a certain price. Mm. So as long as it's below, below this certain price, then I will always profit. 
Right. So that's the strategy that I'm doing now. It's currently working well because I'm, I'm putting it at a, at a very, very far distance. Okay. Like I would say that, okay, Tesla, it won't go up by like 40, 50% in a month. I'm always doing a month and it won't drop by 30% in a month. Right. So we, because of how big this is, it's almost impossible to reach there. And even if you reach there, I will just sell and I just buy back. <laughs> because if a stock can go up 50% in a month, that means maybe it has been um, manipulated upwards. Too many people are buying it. Then when it cools back down, then I will just buy back in. So this strategy works well. <laughs> so are you doing this on a daily basis? On a monthly basis. Monthly basis? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then how long have you been doing this uh, option About strategy? two years. Two years already? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is like a sustainable kind of <laughs> I wouldn't say sustainable because like maybe next year I will be proven wrong. I would say that this has worked well for these two years. Mm. And mm. is this like a high risk kind of stuff? High risk. Okay, so for options, right, there's a lot of even if you are wrong, there's a lot of backup plans. Mm. Okay, for cost, as long as you have the stock, as long as you are willing to sell the stock at this price, at this high price, right. then then you are okay to sell this call. So the risk is just Maybe the stock after going up by 50%, you'll go up another 100%. Mm. So, so, so that's your risk. You're risking up the upside. And right. as for puts, you're risking buying the stocks uh, and the stock goes even lower. Right. So that's your risk. Uh. Right. So would you advise like, young investors to do this or like, <laughs> you need like, adequate training or, or stuff like that? So this whole thing, right? to do it, you need to have a big enough capital. Then the second thing, you need to have a... You need to own a good stock. For example, right. Google. Or you want to own Google, then you can do it on this stock. Some people will see that, okay, uh, maybe this game stock have a very high options value. Uh, the, this whole deposit money is mm. worth a lot. Then I want to sell it. But maybe they don't like this game stock. Then when they are assigned this game stock, stock. Then it doesn't make sense. Then it doesn't make sense already. Right. So they are only greedy for the deposit money, but they don't want to stop. Right. So in that right. case, they are doing it wrongly already. Okay. And most of the time, cheap stocks are not that good. Even though they are cheap, you can, you can just sell options for, to it to earn a lot of money. But cheap stocks are not good. The good right. stocks are the more expensive ones, which, which most people can't afford. So right. for example, like uh, Google, you need to have like $9,000 or $10,000 to make this whole thing work. Mm. I think not many people can risk this amount of money. Unless you have this amount of money, uh, amount of money then you can start considering. Like, but otherwise, just stick to this basic stuff. Like. Right. Just invest in the safe stuff and you'll be fine. Like. So it's good to have a vested interest so in case you can also just yeah. own the stock. If, yeah, yeah. If, okay, great. I would like to talk a little bit about your content creation. Yeah. yeah. So uh, share with um, fellow Singaporeans, right, especially people who want to uh, start to do content creation. What is your advice for that? And then how do you get started? And then where do you learn how to edit your own videos like starting, starting from 2019? So content creation, right? Uh, the very first lesson is that don't listen to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay, basically like, okay, not, not that she has bad intentions or whatever. Mm. It's just that she doesn't want to see me waste time or get hurt or whatever. But I think like, if, you, if that's the thing that you want to do, right? I would say just do first and don't ask for permission to succeed. Mm. That, that, so that's, that's my advice. Can you imagine like PM Lee asking permission from his mom whether can he, can he be prime minister or not? I think it would be very lame, right? So <laughs> if you want to succeed in, in doing anything, just, just do it first. Uh, people will say, uh, why are you doing this? This kind of stuff. So I think uh, the, advice, the advice are good, but uh, if that's success that you want to look for, I think it would be a very... Lonely road. <laughs> mm. 
and not many people will understand it and you have to go through it by yourself lah. Right. So that's the first thing. The other thing about YouTube is that basically you are an um, entertainer of sorts. La. And the reason I was able to grow so fast was because I was able to entertain people. Investing is, very, is a very heavy topic. Yeah. So when you can make investing a fun topic, then people will start listening to you. So mm. that's the personality part. Mm. So think of it like Robert Downey Jr. versus this Stephen Chow from Hong Kong. Mm. Both of them have different personalities. You wouldn't imagine this Robert Downey Jr. doing this Hong Kong style of talking. People will watch Robert Downey Jr. for who he is and people will watch Stephen Chow for who he is. So same for me and you, I think. Mm. <laughs> people mm. will watch this uh, Melvin Lim right. for how he presents Stuff. That's the same for me. I, I will watch you. Oh, right. This guy's talk so confident and this house is so nice. As long as people is able to connect with you, then people will start following what you have to say. Mm. Um, then the third thing is, I think you have to just be consistent. Like for me, this whole YouTube thing, right? The success right now, I, I'm at oh, 80 something K. Right. But the first year, first and a half year was the toughest. I barely had like 5K subscribers. Right. So basically, it's a, almost a flat line. I was working for free for YouTube. Up until the middle of the second year, I started growing. Mm. So that's when everything clicked into place. I started to realize a lot of things. Uh, what, if, what I've put into there started to bear fruit. If you are into this whole content creation thing, uh, just be there because you like, you like making stuff. Not because you want to make money. Because in the first year, second year, third year, or maybe even in the fifth year, you, are, you won't even make money. But if you are there just for fun, I think you can power through or maybe make it into your career when it finally slopes up one day, like this whole earning money thing. So when you started in 2019, do you foresee where you are today? I don't know. <laughs> so it's like, so uh, as a programmer, right, mm. one of the things that I like to do is creating side projects. So every year I was trying to create this new app, this new game. Even it's, it's not new, like, everything is just a clone or something else. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so I, was, I keep doing these different projects. So about seven, eight years, I thought, eh, maybe I should try YouTube instead because I like talking about, about money and no one likes listening. None of my friends like listening to me. Right. So maybe I talk, about, talk on YouTube, like, uh, let strangers listen to me. Right, and right. I was prepared for it to fail. <laughs> just like all of my other previous projects. Like. As mm. long as you just keep trying, I think eventually one of them will just break through. Like. Mm, mm. And, and how often do you release content now? On a weekly basis, it's about four videos a week. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And uh, how do you keep up with the, the content? Like, uh, <laughs> I, keep, uh, yeah. I can't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm planning to slow down. Obviously making three contents with just one editor is not sustainable. Next year on, I will try to go a lot slower. Like. Mm. Maybe three, three videos a week. Right. Uh, pace myself. Like, because the whole reason I'm trying to push so hard is because I'm trying to grab the money while it's still coming in. <laughs> but I realized that the process uh, becomes a lot less uh, enjoyable already. Mm. Like right now, I've become a lot more stressed about thinking what's the next topic to make rather than uh, what, how can I learn from this video? Mm. So the, the, the goal is different already. It's, one is about earning money. One is right. about learning. So I prefer if I don't have to worry about money, then I can focus on doing what I like, like, which is learning. If you enjoy what you are doing, eventually the money will just follow in. Like. Maybe you know how to further improve right. when you don't have to think about money so much. Mm. Yeah, that's my thing. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Great. Great. Thanks for sharing so much, uh, Kelvin. I think you have been very authentic and <laughs> when I talk to you, it's like, wow. And, and I just felt that um, you, you are very real 
real person as, yeah. as you are on, on video as well as uh, here. Uh, it's great having you. Thank you so much uh, for sharing with us and our audience. Thanks yeah, for right. Yeah, it's good to have you on at our PLB studio at uh, So Far So Good. As long as you are investing in a good store, all these bad things are over, then, then there's nothing stopping the company from growing already.